Hey folks, welcome to the Catholic Coaching Podcast. My name is Matt. And I'm Erin. We are the Ingolds. We are the founders of Metanoia Catholic, and we are here to talk coaching in the Catholic world. Yes, where we teach people how to become students of their interior life, and we also train and coach other Catholic coaches. So we're excited to have you with us. Let's get started. Welcome, guys. We are really delighted to um, bring a wonderful guest on here today. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of her, but her name happens to be Leah Darrow. <laughs> Leah, welcome. <laughs> Hi. Yeah, how are y'all doing? Good, good. If you guys don't know who Leah Darrow is, I don't know. Maybe you've been living under a rock these last 10 years. <laughs> but Leah is, um, she's just... Uh, beautiful inside and out. We've had a privilege to get to know her. This is our second interview with her. Actually, our first one, the sound quality was very poor. You can actually go check that out on YouTube. Um, but, and you can still follow along because it was a wonderful and blessed conversation. And but, we put subtitles on it. So yes. Yeah. Maybe just watch it on mute. I don't know. But anyways. <laughs> Yeah, but we are so delighted to have her back. And so thank you, Leah, for coming back and being so gracious and understanding tech difficulties. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm I'm excited that we just get to talk again. Like I said, our first conversation was really great. It was so, it was wonderful. It was, I really enjoyed it. And so um, I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of happy that there was a little bit of a glitch and it still worked kind of, but that we get to chat again because there's just a lot more that we can we can talk about. Yeah. yeah, God works all things for his purposes. We're Here at, at Metanoia Catholic, we're obsessed with people's metanoia moments, those moments of conversion that mm-hmm. are really like, they're just so central to the drama of the human experience, mm-hmm. right? Where you have those moments of conversion. It's the greatest things that you see them in movies. Movies are built around these moments of conversion. And some of them are very subtle, but we want to break into and learn a little bit more about your moments of conversion. Specifically, Leah, you've recently moved on to the farm. What's been a metanoia moment for you, a moment of conversion, a new transform, uh, transformation, the way that you think or something new interiorly since moving out to the farm? Wow, there's, you know, the fruits of the farm have been many. There have been many, many, many fruits of the farm. And I, I've just been shocked at how much learning I have left to do because mm not that I didn't think that I could grow and learn, but to the depths of where Christ is teaching us at this point at the farm is pretty remarkable. But I would say um, uh, some of like the more practical fruits that have kind of happened is um, two. There's there's one, uh, peace and simplicity. Those are like two main fruits. One, peace how much we really like we moved out here because we were looking for more peace. we were looking for peace meaning um less hustle and bustle less actual noise um and then with that also simplicity we were looking for um a simpler life mm-hmm. uh, we were very comfortable living in the city we had everything available at any time. Um, errands were always something, a part of my day. Okay, I'm going to go out. I'm going to go to Target. I'll grab my Starbucks. Okay, I'll do this. I'll do this, Aaron. I'll pick up this at Costco. Okay, I'll come home. I'll do a few things here. I'm going to go see my mom. Let me go visit my, you know, my sister. There's always an errand. I always had all of these things to do. And I think I was purposely keeping myself very busy and out of the home and kind of away from my primary vocation, even though I was kind of taking my vocation with me everywhere. 
everywhere I go, all my kids and everything. Um, and Ricky, but it, it kept me busy. It kept my life really, really busy and not in a good way. And so being on the farm, it's completely inconvenient. The like going to the grocery store, it's an, it's an hour, you know, it's an hour, um, trip. Um, there's no restaurants in my town. There's not a restaurant in, in the town next to me. Um, so we are cooking our meals every day together as a family. Um, these are this, like, these are actually fruits. It seems like it would be an inconvenience, but I was actually looking for something to push me out of that comfort zone. I think Ricky and I both realized that we were getting really comfortable in our life mm-hmm. and we wanted to take a step back and really be curious as to what was helping us be so comfortable. And then asking, is this where God wants us? Sometimes comfort is not a bad thing, but it's always a flag mm. to pause and become curious and observant in of like, okay, is this a place where I'm called into respite and true rest? Or am I being comfortable and lacking the perseverance for virtue and holiness? And mm. so that brought us to the farm. And what the farm's done is that it's enabled us to enter into some more uncomfortable inconveniences that have been just huge blessings to us. So uh, we've been loving it. It's been great. We spend so much time together and I'm cooking meals every single day for my family, which um, that's just, a, that, that's very particular to me. I would cook once in a while um, back in when we lived in the city, but being able to kind of like get in there and really like cook these big meals for my six kids and my husband. And it has been hard, but I've been, I found so much fruit and I've been, it's like, there's so much holiness there that I didn't think about. And I tell you something, our culture definitely would not tell the kitchen, tell the women to get back into the kitchen and cook meals. Right. Yes. They would say, somehow this is some, like you're oppressed or somehow like you don't need to do that. It doesn't have to be, but, but I have found that some of the basic things like just feeding my family has really helped me become a little bit better of a woman. Mm. So I heard, I heard circumstance change there. I yeah. heard new behaviors. I'm really curious, like what has been the change of mind that now allows you to enter into those new circumstances and like experience, like what's the new interior experiences? What are the new thoughts that you're thinking mm-hmm. that are leading to this feeling of peace in these we'll call them uncomfortable circumstances? Yeah. It's being curious. So I would just try to be as observant as possible. So what I mean by that is um, I often have, I've done this for a few years now, but I've begun to a habit of really asking myself, often, so often throughout the day, Lord, what are you teaching me? What do you Mm. want to teach me right now? What do you want to teach me right now? And then sometimes, and so just that question, when, when you, when you enter into your relationship with God, with a question, asking him to answer, he will answer. If we enter into a relationship with someone such as our creator, God with statements or with, um, frustrations, which I'm not saying that we don't often do that or, or we can't, but when we enter into it, it changes the dialogue and communication we have with the other person. Mm. And so when we enter into a relationship and we're actually talking to somebody, like we're talking here, we're ping-ponging back and forth. You're asking me a question. I'm answering, I'm throwing things back. It's a dialogue of actual relationship. 
And so we're just like you and I, we're getting to know each other right now through this conversation. And when we ask questions to the Lord of that are more open and more surrendering of like, Lord, what do you want to teach me? Like, I'm willing to learn. What do you want to teach me right now in this moment? What do you want to teach me? And I, that's the mindset that has really helped me enter into this different and challenging state of life here on the farm of, okay, Lord, what are you teaching me? Like we got our tractor. We just got it. Um, Ricky went to the field and he was mowing it down and it boom broke. And we're just like, what's going on? <laughs> it's silly things like that. It's like, okay, Lord, what do you want to teach us? He mm -hmm. taught us that we, Ricky and I can work together. He taught us that we can be more patient with one another and that we can YouTube some things to figure it out. He taught us how to be resourceful, to ask other farmers near, nearby about things. And he taught us to be okay with not knowing what you're doing. I mean, so I think, mm. I think it's just really, really important that in life you remain curious that you remain mm -hmm. observant, that you remain in a place where you are asking, what can I learn instead of just condemning the situation or circumstance? Mm -hmm. I love that. And I think that actually flows us into some of the questions I want to ask about, because you've kind of recently, first, I want to, I want to speak to the question, asking God's questions. I love that because it's, it's very much us entering into that childlike posture with the Lord, kind of like, you know, like we, in being childlike, we can come closer to him. And so when we ask why, 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 I know you have a lot of little children who probably ask a lot of questions and there's that, that exchange happening. But more recently, Leah, you've kind of um, moved your ministry to more of a discipleship type of one-on-one -on -one Maybe. Or even group, yeah, 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 yeah. group discipleship, group, but yeah. kind of that face to face, as opposed to maybe being up on a stage and seeing lots of faces out and you know in the sea of people, um, and and movement towards that personal development phase, which is interesting because you were kind of mirroring that in you moving out to the farm. <laughs> you know, it's I, I think of personal development, and I think they I there's like this saying in the personal development world, the coaching world, it's like discomfort is the currency to your dreams, right? So we almost have to enter into that. And, and I see such a parallel there, there with our Catholic faith as well. Um, you know, you were made for greatness, not comfort. Yeah. What's it? What's That's saying, yeah, Pope Benedict. You were not made for comfort. You were made for greatness, Pope mm -hmm. Benedict. Yeah. So um, how have you seen moving into this phase of coaching, coaching women face-to-face um, how have you seen the overlaps with, like, how is, how has this expanded your ministry, but also, um, how do you, what do you see the overlaps with that and Catholicism? Yeah. So this is, I, I, yeah, this is a great question, Erin. Um, the overlap, it's not an overlap that in my opinion, I don't think it's an overlap at all. In fact, if you say you're a Christian, if you claim Christ as your savior, you've entered into the greatest personal development program in the, on the planet. <laughs> that is amazing. Mic drop. <laughs> if you do not take off the old man and put on the new man in Christ, as St. Paul would tell us, if you don't transform yourself by the renewal of your mind, as Romans 12, 2 says, then you have, then you are in the wrong religion, my friends. Like this is, 
Catholicism, Christianity is the personal development program. It is the original, it is the OG of all personal development programs. And everything after Christianity, everything after Christ has been trying to replicate this, this like finding yourself in a new mindset and new skills and tools. But so many of them take out the cornerstone of transformation, which is Christ Jesus. And if we don't proclaim Christ Jesus, as we're talking about transformation, as we're talking about personal development, it is, it is, it is, it is a program that is lacking. Mm. And so our faith, what we profess, what we receive in the Holy Eucharist, that is personal development. Like that is transformational. And so we can take our faith. We can take what we know and of course that would end up that, that, that it kind of assumes that we know our faith. So if we don't know our faith and then great, okay, no problem. You're just, you are where you are. Let's just be observant of that. Let's be curious. And then let's take a step into knowing our faith a little bit more. Mm -hmm. We know our faith a little bit more. You enter into the journey because it's not knowing a faith more. You're knowing a person you're coming to know who Jesus is, what Jesus did and what he's doing now currently in this very second. Mm -hmm. And that changes us. It changes your heart. It changes your mind. It changes your behavior, your feelings, your thoughts, your actions, everything. And so I don't see it as an overlap. The more I've come to understand my faith, I have my master's in theology from the Augustine Institute. Um, My education, my, my background has really helped me see that this isn't something academic. This isn't something in the classroom. What I'm learning is that I'm learning about the person who's going to make me a better person. Mm. And that is where we need to spend more, a lot more of our time. We need to spend more of our time really developing who we are in Christ Jesus with the blessed mother to help us with the saints, with our guardian angels every day, all day. Yeah. The belief piece Amen. is that's, I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. And, and what you're saying is you learn about the person. And as you come to know that person, like think of somebody that you really, really love. You spend time thinking about them. You spend time Mm -hmm. talking with them. You spend time just with them and looking at pictures of them and, and just content and like almost meditating on their goodness. And I was, I was reading, um, it was on St. Peter. I can't remember his his last name, but he was the, he was a spiritual director of of St. Teresa of Avila. And he was talking about how important mental prayer is and, and what we're doing in mental prayers, we're actually meditating, not just on anything, but we're meditating on the beauty of heaven, the beauty of Jesus, mm. the beauty of like how amazing these things are. And, and that meditation has this transformative effect. The more we think about these things, the same way where you go into secular coaching, they're just like, okay, you need to visualize your goals. Mm-hmm. You need to kind of picture, like put yourself in the, in the future. You've attained your goal. You're feeling it emotionally. You're allowing that to transform you. It's a sensitive, like a felt sense experience of that goal felt now in the present, but it's in the future. You're just bringing it into your mind and it's transforming you in the same exact way in mental prayer, which is so essential. And I think uh, St. Bonaventure even said, like, it is essential to actually come, like coming to like growing in the faith and becoming a saint which is how you get to heaven, right? Um, this element of mental prayer and just coming to know Jesus more and meditate on him more. Mm. And the more you like, 
love is contingent on, on knowledge. You can only love something to the extent that you know it. Yeah. And the more you know Jesus and you see its goodness, the more you willingly choose him. And that's what transforms you. It's that belief that ultimately transforms you. I love it. Amen. Yeah, and it is absolutely beautiful. It's, you know, we need this type of transformation because our culture has, um, our culture has just, euthanized out the idea that we can be a saint mm. euthanized that's such an they, interesting they word the possibility that we can rise above and be the best that christ has made us mm. and i think you know when i am coaching women that is ultimately where i want them to land i want them to land in a place where it's not uh, being a saint is not something in a book and a fairy tale um, this is a reality that you can enter into today, right now, and you can choose sainthood. You can choose heaven in every action mm -hmm. and you can truly be a saint. I don't know if you'll end up in a book or not. I don't know if they'll even care to know about you or to write about you, but that's not our business. Our business is following Christ Jesus faithfully and obediently um, every step of the way. And really knowing that sainthood is possible. Like you said, sainthood is possible. And so we have to get into the right mindset and the right knowledge of our faith and knowledge of who the person of Christ is. He would never put a bar up that we couldn't reach. Mm. I just read a quote. It was, I'm going to butcher it, but it was Fulton Sheen quote. And it was like, he did not tell you to do good. If he didn't give you the power to do good. That's, Amen. I mean, it's just right. So I love the way he would synthesize things down so much. Mm -hmm. Fulton Sheen is my Fulton Sheen is my holy crush. I, yes. I very holy crush on him. He's dead and he's almost or should be a saint. But I, I just, I just gush over him. I just think he's absolutely fantastic. When I first began my work as a as a as a public speaker, um, for the Catholic Church, uh, <laughs> I went. I was able to go to his tomb. Um, the Sisters of Life took me and they took me down when he was in St. Patrick's uh, Cathedral in New York. And I offered my whole work. I said, okay, it's, you have to help me do this. Cause I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no idea what I'm doing and I'm being called into this and I don't understand it. And I'm from what I hear and from what I know you, you, you did a lot of this stuff. So help me do these things. I had no idea. I was like at his tomb, hands on his, on his tomb. So I'm just crying. I love it. I know. He's like a little Catholic superhero. He wore a cape too. I know. It was the cape. Right? It was. I just loved he had his chalkboard. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I, I aspire to teach like him and have a big audience and tell jokes in the beginning. Um, but okay. So you're, you're coaching women. Um, you've kind of always had this, this passion, this draw towards, you know, helping women and ministering to women. Um, what, what's a lie that you see people, women assenting to often in coaching? What's a lie that kind of comes up a lot? I, hmm. uh, I think the simplest, but most common lie is I can't. Oh, yes. I can't. I'm like, well, why? I can't. Now there, there's a lot of, there's, there's a lot behind. I can't, mm -hmm. there's a lot behind. I can't. And I think what's, what, what goes behind, I can't is something even more, um, not talked about enough, but it's, it's this silent suffering that's happening across mm -hmm. the board. Um, 
amongst men and women. In particular, I work with women, so I can talk about that. But with women, there's a silent suffering behind their I can't. These suffering wounds that are just being, that women are suffering silently, mm-hmm. wounds from their past, wounds from them when they were a child, um, wounds where it was, might not be some type of, sometimes we automatically think of maybe abuse when we hear the word wounds, but these, these might be wounds that are just about um, what they began to believe about themselves because of certain situations. And so that little belief for them as, as, as a child has carried with them and has brought them to a place as an adult where their response to the world is I can't, or their response to holiness or to kind of push themselves outside of their comfort box is I can't. And so when we hear ourselves say, I can't, that's a red flag. Again, going back to just being curious, we have to be curious about ourselves and to be curious with hope. Like you have to be curious with hope. Um, and so in being observant in that space, stopping and thinking, okay, well, why do I think I can't, um, am I not able to, do I not have the two right tools or skills? Am I scared? Uh, have I just been told that I can't? So I believed I can't, is it a lie or, or, you know, I mean, there are some things, of course, there are some things I can't do right, um, yeah. right now. I mean, so it's not like you can do anything. That's not mm. what I preach. It's not what I teach at all, but I'm just trying to get behind that one line that, that really stops us in our tracks because my, my intention and my goal when I coach women is I'm not here to help you make, like build your business. I'm not here to help you, you know, start that new entrepreneur thing. I can definitely speak into that later, but my goal in personal development is I want to help you realize that sainthood is absolutely possible and that you're called to it. And I want you to do it Mm. and get to that place of opening themselves up of being generous and giving, because that is where our true contribution lies is that holy contribution of being generous with what God has given us and who we are in gifts and talents. And then sharing that with our families and the world, because that's the avenue of, of, of sainthood. So anyways, to go back to what you're originally saying, Erin, I think one of the biggest things I hear really um, is I can't, and it's just, it's worth exploring. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Just pausing and being like, Okay, wait, hold on. Says who? Is that true? A hundred percent of the time, you know, there's, but I see what you're saying. I'm kind of seeing the layers as you're like building it out where it's like the can't, I can't is like that top layer lie or possibly, I mean, it could be true. Like there's some things that you can't do. You can't fly on your own. You know, like there's, there are some things. You can't be a priest. Right. I can't be a mom. Right. So there's that top layer lie but if you don't even look at it and kind of see, okay, what's under here, it it just kind of like, you just move over it and then you live in a state of powerlessness for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Victimhood, right? absolutely. Mm-hmm. You, you and, and that is, I mean, it's quite popular today of just playing the victim or there's rallies mm-hmm. for victims. I'm not even gonna go into it, but it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And that's not how Christ called us to live. It's not how he made us. And to go back to this, I'm, I'm very passionate about this, as you can probably tell. Good. Let's stay, um, let's stay right here. <laughs> I love it. These are the questions that when you get to a place, my friends, when you yourself tell yourself that I can't, I want you to go and open up Genesis and go to Genesis three. And let's look at the questions that God asked. The first two questions that God asked humanity, that he asked Adam and Eve and still ask us today 
of, of, of what's going on in your situation. So you can go back and you can see the questions. The first question that God ever uttered to humanity, to Adam and Eve is, where are you? Hmm. Oh, I mean, that like almost brings me to tears when I say that, because you understand God is speaking to you. He's speaking to me right now. He's saying, where are you? Are you like, have you, you know, every person has to answer that individually, like, and the, he wants you close to him. He doesn't, he's not talking about geographic location. He's talking about, are you, are you with me? Like, are you within my heart? Are you within the sacred heart? Like, are you here? Where are you? And it's so beautiful because God is asking us this question because he wants a response. He wants relationship. Mm. The second question God asked Adam and Eve, and he again asked all of humanity us to this day is after they told him that they ate of the fruit and what had happened, he said, who told you? Oh, that's another one. Oh, these are good, Leah. Told you. And mm. so if we go back to the beginning, the beginning of our lives, if we go back to the beginning of scripture, our answers can be found. Mm. And everything will be summed up in the end as this, and this is from John Paul II. He says, everything will end up with this, father, child, love. Mm. It all comes down to at the very end of our lives, God, the father, we are his child and he loves us deeply. Mm. And in the beginning of the story of Genesis, you see how God made us out of good. He made us out of his love. And of course, evil is there and there's a temptation and so God is asking us to this day, like, where are you? And then also, who told you? Who told you you can't? Mm. These lies. And so often, if we go back to these two very basic questions, the first two questions that God gave us, a lot of our answers can be found there. And we can kind of start moving forward in the, in the, in the direction of the Lord with those questions. Mm. What I hear is so that's super powerful, yeah. What I, what I hear with that is, is that when you did the God, child, love, mm -hmm. right? You hear this response oftentimes in where people start the, 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 their journey of evangelization or the, the evangelists start with that word. You are a beloved son of God. You are a beloved daughter of God. But oftentimes I think people say that and they fail to recognize that this person does not have the capacity to assent to that belief. That's a very profound, profound belief. That's a big jump. If it was easy for us to say, to, to make that journey, that's all evangelists would ever have to say. But the reality is there's these, there's these lies that are responding to that. And some people can hear that. And they're so far from that truth, from their own life experience, from their own choices that they've made or things that have happened to them, that, that they really need somebody to like help them to slowly ascent to that greater truth that you are beloved son, your beloved daughter of God. And it could be something as simple as um, you exist. Yeah. You were created. Yeah. Or maybe even like God kind of likes me. <laughs> Some people have a tough time even assenting to that, but that is so much better than I've been abandoned. Mm -hmm. Nobody cares for me. I'm all by myself. I'm a mistake. I'm not good enough. Yeah. Nobody's coming to save me. That's like one that comes up, like this isolation that's there uh, mm -hmm. quite often. And so I see this even in our, our, our role as coaches. I love that. I'm going to use that. 
Uh, so I'm going to take that from you, which you took from scripture. We're, we're crediting <laughs> Leah right here, right now. As you like guys the, where to... are you? It's, we always <laughs> open up our coaching sessions. What do you want coaching on today? Mm -hmm. But that's like the very thing. Where are you right now? Um, is really the question. Beautiful. And then what God does though, is, is he, they call, there's the great condescension, right? Which is what Christ is, where he doesn't demand that we assent to this, this divine truth immediately. He knows what has happened. But there's the beauty of descending, the, the great condescension of Christ coming into the world to be with us where we are yeah. in the distance, in the depths of, that, of that, that personal hell that we have created. He enters into the entire human experience, even that, and, and transforms it. Doesn't negate it, but transforms it. And like the privilege of that is to be a, a, to be a coach and to be able to witness it. Um, what are some of the other experiences that you've seen as you've been doing this coaching within the Lux University where you've seen people kind of slowly ascent to this great truth mm -hmm. of I'm a beloved son, I'm a beloved daughter of God? Oh, yeah. There's oh, just recently. Oh, my goodness. Um, there's been some beautiful, beautiful breakthroughs with the women that I've been coaching. And, you know, all glory given to God, the Father, for all of that. I mean, we set up the time to to, to pour into ourselves and to pour into Christ and let Christ speak to us. Um, you know, as coaches, we get a, we get a front row seat to the workings of the Holy spirit. Yeah. We have the VIP pass. We get to sit there and be like, what are you going to do God with this, with this perfect person? Yeah. And right. We'll ask questions, but then you see, you see something happening and it just, it coaches you, it coaches you. And that's the beauty of this kind of symbiotic relationship with coaching, um, within personal development from a Christocentric perspective, mm -hmm. um, which is what I particularly focus on all of my coaching. Every single one of my women who I coach, they know Leah's going to say, here we are, we're here for our Christocentric, you know, program on personal. Like it's, I, I, I beat it into them being like, we are never going to get out of this phase that we can do anything without Christ Jesus. Mm. We will claim his name. We will say his name in every moment I, of this journey. I don't even know how you could do it without Jesus. I don't even know how you can have a self-development program because if, as soon as you remove perfection, itself from the equation where are you going to go yeah, where are you gonna right. go, Lord? it's like you it's a law of inconsistent or insufficient reason yeah. at that point mm -hmm. it's a hamster wheel because you end up making yourself kind of like the end goal yeah you start mm -hmm. with you and you end with you like who wants that i don't want that <laughs> that's not a journey i would it's like to start with myself and end with with christ like yes anyway so I absolutely, I absolutely agree. I think, um, and I totally forgot your question now. My, my mind just, <laughs> hey, we're going, we're going back to the, really the powerful moments, the transformation moments that you've seen in your women. Yes. Thank, you. <laughs> Thank you. So, um, one in particular is we had a, I had a, um, I had my ladies, we were talking about the right type of attitude to have in, in life and how attitudes can change and what changes them and, and being able to have a little bit more control over that and manage that better. And then, so we ended up doing an exercise where we were bringing in, okay, like, what is the attitude of Christ? Let's, let's think about Christ's attitude. Like, what was that like? And so we go through and I pull out scripture of like, okay, this, this reveals his attitude. Like, let's just see what this is. And we look at the Beatitudes, look at a lot of different things that, that 
express the attitude of Christ. Mm -hmm. And then the exercise was for the ladies to write down a letter um, from, from Christ to them about his attitude towards them. Oh. And it was just like, you know, it'd be like, dear Leah. And this would be like writing in the hand, writing in the hands of Christ. And these women wrote down these letters and they came back from this exercise. Everyone is having an emotional reaction, which is, I know that it sounds great, but what's really important is that that emotional response was because what they wrote down um, from the perspective of Christ was true. It was what they've always wanted to hear. It was that they're not abandoned. They're not isolated, that God loves them deeply and is with them in, in the moments of their deepest suffering that he never left. He was there when their aunt died. He was there when their dad just passed away. He was there during the divorce. He was there during all these moments. And it was just such a beautiful experience for the, for the, for, for my women to be able to have time mm. to let God speak. And I think, I'm sure, you, I mean, I think that you would agree that what's so beautiful about coaching is that you get to coach, I get to coach women who actually want to carve out time to become who Christ has called them to be. Mm-hmm. And, and so they actually put time out of their schedule and they spend some time with me every other week when we do our coaching and they do that. And that's the beauty of it is that sometimes all we really need to do is to give God time to do what, to do what he does, which is transform. Mm. You're, you're so right. And I, that's actually one of my favorite things about coaching. And there's a lot of things that I love about coaching, but I like this agreement at the very beginning that transformation is not me doing anything for you. I'm just asking the questions, but like transformation is you showing up and collaborating with grace, uh, collaborating with the Lord and opening up. Like there's an investment that's made. There's that time investment, which I think a lot of us could argue that that's, that's harder for women to let go of is time, you know, than maybe even money in some cases, but it's just like, there's there's an investment on their part to show up and be like, okay, this is me and you, God. And there's an ownership there that I don't think in other cases I've been in healing ministry. I, I have seen a counselor myself. So I understand the exchange that happens there. And it's a little bit more, the counselor does a little bit more heavy lifting than the coach on this part, honestly, like really from, from my standpoint, I'm like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think coaches are like, no, it's 90% you. And it's like tempers on me asking you questions (laughs) and just kind of moving out of the way of the Holy spirit. So Mm -hmm. letting him get in there. But um, I agree with you on that. There's that investment on their part. Leah, you said that the journey that you take women on is awareness, conversion, and mission. Mm-hmm. Can you, um, like, how do you, how do you know when somebody's hit that point of awareness and maybe they're ready to go on to the next thing? Like, what, what do you think? Yeah, well, okay. So, so it, it's, it, it's, this, it's a three-part path and this is like, this is the path of the church actually. And it's a path of the faithful. It's the same path that the church itself needs to be on and that, the faithful need to be on. And this all actually comes from an encyclical called Ecclesium Suum. Ecclesium Suum. It's from Pope Paul VI in 1964. He wrote this. And it's Ecclesium Suum can be translated like the paths of the church. Mm. So 
he takes us on this journey and he brings out these three main points. And again, these, these, it's really important that I, that we know that this is the path for the church. It's not just for the faithful, that the church itself has to be, mm. has to come into a place of awareness where like, what has the church, how has the church helped? How has it failed? Uh, how has the church got to a position where it's at and what's led it to that place? Mm-hmm. How can we have a metanoia? How can we have a conversion and bring ourselves back to the roots of Christ mm-hmm. and then be constantly in mission? Now, for most of us here in the Western world, we are our typical, if you like, if, if, if you see a three-part step, you just want to do one, two, three in order, and you just want to move through it. Well, that's a difficult thing with theology is that the Lord, the Lord's ways are above our ways. So um, he might bring us to a place of being in steps one, and then all like move into three bef- a little bit while you're doing two. It's just constantly a cycle. So we have to be, we need to be flexible with the process. However, mm-hmm. however, the, the most important piece really is awareness because especially, especially in terms of we're talking about sin and grace, we, we, we need to be able to be aware of our life and what's going on. And it's not just awareness of sin, but it's awareness of where we are. Like, how do we get here? What have been my choices? What are my gifts? Am I aware of my gifts? Am I aware of my talents? Um, and into that place of moving them into the place of conversion. And what conversion means, obviously, is just turning your whole life towards Christ. And then, of course, being in mission with him, being in mission and working with the Lord and not against him. And so um, a lot of times what I see happening is that, and I set this up with my, with my um, women that I, that I coach right from the beginning. I'm like, look, here's our path. This is your path. It's my path. It's a path we're all going to be, be on. Um, be flexible and be kind to yourself, no matter where you're at. And mm-hmm. let, me, let me tell you, like, you're not ever stuck in a path. It just may, you just need, might need more time in one, um, on one avenue before you get to the next one. But where I find a lot of mishap that happens is that we see this path or we know what's going on. I want to jump to mission. We want to do something. We want to like, yes, Yes. Yes. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. I'm going to, I'm going to, and as soon as they have this inkling of awareness of like, Oh, I have this suffering and I want to help people in the same type of suffering I'm in. Let me jump to mission before there's any conversion. What's not talked about explicitly in conversion, but it's a massive piece is healing, healing. So conversion and healing are in there together. And even healing is that it's that thread that's actually going, trying to go through the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And so it's not that you can't do the thing, be in mission with the Lord, um, while you're still healing, not at all. However, we have to give ourselves the time with the Lord to let him heal us how he wants to heal us to let him bring us into deeper awareness, into deeper curiosity about ourselves. Um, the other thing I'd like to mention as we talk about these three paths, I think is, which I think is very, very important, especially with the first step. The first step is awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we know, um, or maybe, maybe you don't know, but let me to, to fill you in on a beautiful little truth of our faith. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> uh, mercy, mercy is another word for love. 
Mercy is another word for God's love. And so when we speak of mercy, we have to understand that we're also speaking of, 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 of the deepest love, the deepest love that God has to give us mercy. And so with that, when we're talking about that first step of awareness, God will never reveal our sinfulness without first revealing his love. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that should be a safe place that we can be in when we want to look at our life and really become aware and we begin to see things and we begin to really face maybe some past choices and to really look, look at them, that if we're being allowed, if we're given the grace to have that type of inward vision on our soul, mm. then God is simultaneously revealing his deepest love for us. And so we do not need to be scared. We do not need to, to despair, but we need to continue to run to Christ, run to the sacrament of reconciliation with all of that new awareness and give that to him. Mm, it really is, it leads you to the difference between a, a life of coping with our past versus mm. really healing and being transformed by our past. I remember just healing from my own uh, time overseas in Afghanistan. And, and I remember talking to a guy, like really healing, being transformed and, uh, and cry, encountering Christ's mercy in the depths of my despair for my deployment and talking to a gentleman who was working in the VA and he was a veteran himself of, of combat wars. And, and uh, he was saying, so like, how often are you drinking? I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I don't really drink that much. He's like, what about your nightmares? No, I'm like, fine. And he's like, so do you like, what you look like, so what are you doing? Like, how are you dealing with this? And people just couldn't get this, have this understanding that there's something beyond coping. And if mm. you don't have Jesus there and the mercy it, 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 you are, you are, it's very prudent. It's very, um, it's very prudent not to go to those places because mm-hmm. it, the fruits will be despair at mm-hmm. that point mm-hmm. to look at the depths of the sin without the hands of mercy. We have, re- we have reason to be afraid, but when Jesus comes into that place, it changes everything and it doesn't erase it. It actually elevates it. The entire, the entire past memory is something that is healed and it becomes no longer a place of death, but a place of, intimacy deep intimacy in that place mm-hmm. where you feel most unloved christ loves you there with a love that is is it transforms you it transforms you forever and it's the equivalent of like receiving something you kind of drew that you know jumping to mission without having the conversion that transformation part i liken it to almost that farming analogy of receiving the seeds and being like I've seen great fruits come from seeds like this. I want to go and share these with other people before they've actually taken root in you. And so it's like, if you've ever like bitten to an apple and you get a seed, it's actually quite bitter, right? It doesn't taste very good. It doesn't like there's, I don't, you don't go to the store and buy like just apple seeds to just like munch on, right? (laughs) But, But rather, but rather when that seed actually comes into you and it develop like grows into this abundant fruit and you have abundance of seed, but now it's, it's encapsulated in this delicious, like tempting, like awesome fruit that people want to say, you can make pies out of it, that people want to say yes to. And you can, you have this endless supply to be able to continue giving out. That's where it's like, that's where you're it's giving, you're on mission from conversion versus just being on mission from having heard the word 
yeah. and it hasn't actually transformed you yet. I'm so glad you spoke to that because you see that all the mm-hmm. time. And I mean, we teach our coaches this. I'm like, you need to go through the journal yourself. You need to learn how to self-coach and like receive the Lord in that moment of self-coaching. Like you need to learn that first mm-hmm. so that you can give it. Um, so I'm so glad you spoke to that. Uh, we can keep talking, but we know Leah, we got, got, you've got a time limit here. Uh, tell us really quickly about Lux University and how people can find you. Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me at Instagram or my website. So I'm, I'm, I'm on Instagram, Leah Darrow, and then my website's just leahdarrow.com. My website, you can see all the things that we're doing, and what we offer. So there, um, I founded an, uh, a Catholic app for women where we just pray the rosary every day. We're dedicated to the Immaculate Heart of Mary and the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And it's quite simply just a sweet prayer community of women. We pray the rosary live twice a day every day, Divine Mercy Chaplain on Friday. So that's a free app if you would like to download the Lux Catholic app. We also have Lux University and Lux University is um, an initiative that we're doing of Lux Ministries where we're providing these short bite-sized little courses on a theological topic um, taught by some great experts in the field and we provide it to you. It's a digital course, it's got work, it has a worksheet with it, it's got quizzes with it, it's got a live Q&A with the presenter at the end of the course. And right now we're featuring uh, the course, The Feminine Genius taught by Lisa Cotter. It's, it's an excellent course, she, she, she knocked it out of the park, she did a wonderful one. Um, mm-hmm. So we're highlighting that course right now and you can grab that. But yeah, I would love to connect with you if you have any other questions or anybody wants to follow up with me, you can contact me on my website, leahdara.com, or of course, over on Instagram. Leah, thank you so much. I mean, I always, fun. every time I talk to you, I learned so much and I'm like texting you after like, oh, what was that thing that you mentioned? <laughs> like, so it's just really wonderful to be able to share with like-minded cat, like people who love the faith, man. Yeah. So I awesome. want to bring it to the thank church you. and restore the cornerstone to personal development and self-development. Yeah. Uh, love it. Leah, thank you so much. Gosh, you're so welcome. It's I, I really do. I just love talking to you guys. You guys are wonderful. I every, everybody should listen to everything that they do. Let me tell you something. It's just fantastic. So, thanks for chatting with me again. And I kind of was almost wishing there was like some big technological glitch so we could just do it again. But I think that we should just. <laughs> I think we should just plan again another time where we could just chat some more. Let's we do can it. do that. I know Let's every time, it. every time we, we have a uh, Adela's in the background and there's all these like, and she, we have our friends over that's babysitting her right now. And there's these giggles and it's like, okay, like child giggles in the background can be a beautiful thing or the most terrifying thing that you can hear. <laughs> uh, all right. So they're good. That's it's happy. <laughs> Leah, you got to go, but thank you so much. God bless you in your work. And yes, we will chat again. Sounds good. We'll see you later. All right. Bye. Hey, folks, we hope you enjoy listening to the Catholic Coaching Podcast. We want to invite you to take up our journal, the Metanoia Daily 7, 7 Exercises to Renewing Your Mind. If you want to experience daily transformation, go to metanoiacatholic.com and get the journal. Treat yourself. Treat yourself.